Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us, to dig into the text of the Bible in search of the truth about Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel of the Kingdom of God. The Kingdom of God is perhaps the most important phrase in the entirety of the Bible. It sums up in a neat phrase, the Kingdom of God, the very purpose and plan for which this planet was created the purpose and plan which God had from the beginning, his grand design to restore order and peace, security, the absence of war, prosperity, good health, and all those wonderful things we desire. Those things are going to be restored to this earth, and that is guaranteed by the Word of God from one end of the Bible to the other. There is a great assurance given, a divine promise, which is going to be fulfilled by the return of Jesus to this planet to establish the Davidic throne in Jerusalem and to rule from one end of the earth to the other. That's the promise of the Bible in page after page of the Hebrew prophets, what we unfortunately call the Old Testament. The Old Testament, you see, is not passé or obsolete. It was the beginning of God's workings with Israel, but it comes to fruition, it comes to completion in the work of Jesus Christ, who is himself the ideal Israelite person, and calls men of all races to join him in the quest for the coming kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, and he urged his followers to pray, Thy kingdom come. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the future, in the kingdom of God, he said in Matthew 8, verse 11. And he was referring there, of course, to his arrival in the future, his so-called second coming, his second appearance, as the book of Hebrews describes it, in the future at a time unknown to us. There are signs, of course, given by Jesus which might lead us to believe that the second coming is on the horizon. But no one can set a date. No one knows for certain. Not even the Son of God himself knew when his reappearance on the earth would take place. The Bible presents us with an essentially simple system of salvation. To be saved, you know, means to be rescued from death, to be rescued from annihilation and destruction. We are saved indeed from the coming wrath of God, according to Paul in Romans chapter 5. God, you see, has determined that only those who demonstrate Christian character through the power of the Holy Spirit are qualified to enter the kingdom of God when it comes. In Matthew 3, John the Baptist began by announcing to the public that the kingdom of heaven, or kingdom of God, and those two phrases are identical in meaning, that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And Jesus came into Galilee with exactly the same message in Matthew 4, verse 17. John the Baptist was the precursor, the one who introduced Jesus Christ, and both shared the same message. With their message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, they put the world on the alert, so to speak in regard to the great choice of destinies laid before every human being. Either, said Jesus, we're going to be gathered into the barn of the kingdom, you'll find that in Matthew, the 13th chapter, or we're going to be destined for wrath and destruction at the coming of Christ. There are only two options open to mankind, either to repent and believe in the gospel, as Jesus commanded in Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, or to disregard the teaching of Jesus, to go our own sweet way, to ignore the admonitions and the warnings issued by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus demands our attention. 
The words of Jesus are life-giving words. In John 6.63 he said, The words that I speak to you are spirit and are life. In other words, they convey the life of the spirit, the life of the new creation, the life of one born again to a new life in Christ, dedicated and committed to the teachings of Jesus and through the grace of God, the development of character leading to the goal, which is not to go to heaven when we die, as popularly said, but to inherit the kingdom of God on the earth when Jesus returns to establish his kingdom in Jerusalem at his second coming. And so the gospel of the kingdom of God, as first announced by Jesus, and as continuously and continually announced by the apostles, sets before us that option of attaining immortality in the kingdom of God in the future. The other option, of course, is to ignore the warnings, to reject the invitation to the kingdom, and thus to be rejected when Christ returns. At the time of the return of Christ in the future, the world will undergo what is called a regeneration, a rebirth. You'll find that in Matthew 19, verse 28. When the Son of Man comes in glory, then the world is going to be reborn, society will be made new, the world will be refreshed and restored. All of that is going to happen at the second coming of Jesus. Meanwhile, what can we do now to prepare for that great day of the regeneration, the rebirth of the new world coming? Well, it makes sense that we ourselves must be reborn in advance of that day when the entire world and the entire society of the earth will be reborn. And so in Titus, the letter by Paul to Titus, in chapter 3 and verse 5, we read of the only other occurrence of this word rebirth or regeneration, what the Greeks refer to as is found in the original Greek of our New Testament, the palingenesia, the rebirth or regeneration. That's something which must happen to us individually now at conversion. Paul said this in Titus 3 verse 5, God saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of rebirth or regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. There is our individual renewal and regeneration, our individual rebirth. And we all know the passage in John 3 where Jesus in conversation with the Pharisees said, unless you are born again, you cannot experience the kingdom of God. You cannot enter the kingdom of God until you undergo a spiritual rebirth now. And so that passage in John 3 about being born again ties in exactly with Paul's passage in Titus 3 about the regeneration and the washing of rebirth. Now, sometimes people have not noticed that Jesus refers to this same rebirth in the parable of the soils or the sower. And the agent of rebirth is spelled out most clearly for us in that passage. In Matthew 3, verse 19, Jesus said, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, when that seed of the kingdom message is sown in his heart, the devil is there trying to snatch away that seed message of the kingdom so that a man may not believe it and be saved. Rebirth, you know, is caused by seed. Regeneration is always under the influence of a seed, and that seed is described precisely for us by Jesus in that precious passage in Matthew 13, verse 19. He speaks there of the seed 
as being the gospel message about the kingdom as he preached it. That's the essential seed which must take root in your heart and grow and bear fruit so that at the end, that's to say at the resurrection when Christ comes back, you may be turned into an immortal person. The seed of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom, provides the essential spark of life which will develop ultimately into immortality. We receive now a down payment of that greater amount of spirit we hope to receive in the resurrection. The gift of the Holy Spirit now is a down payment, a pledge and a guarantee, a certificate of a massive amount of spirit to be gained in the resurrection when Christ returns. The Holy Spirit is to be received through the creative word, the gospel message as Jesus preached it. Some seem to have forgotten that Jesus did not come just to die and to be raised from the dead. I heard the other day that Jesus came to do three days' work, to die, to be buried, and to be raised. Now, that's really not fair to our New Testament documents at all. Jesus came indeed to preach for three and a half years before he died. In Luke chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus gave a transparently clear account of his own understanding of the mission in which he was engaged. In that verse, Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus said, I must preach or proclaim the gospel about the kingdom of God to the other cities also. That's the reason why God commissioned me. And that indeed is the reason why God commissions every Christian to carry on the same message, the same gospel preaching about the kingdom of God. Jesus in the Great Commission challenged his church to go into the whole world and to relay the very same teachings as Jesus had given to the apostles. And what were those teachings? They're summed up under the umbrella term, Jesus' watchword, his master theme, namely the gospel about the kingdom of God. The kingdom message is the seed which must take root in the heart of the believer, according to Matthew 13, verse 19. And most interestingly, in the parallel verse there in Luke 8, verse 12, we find that the devil knows well that that seed is going to create immortal beings for the kingdom of God, the devil is in deadly earnest against the production of immortal beings. The devil is bent on destroying God's creative work wherever he can. And so in Luke 8, verse 12, Jesus gives us a brilliant intelligence report about what the devil is engaged in. The devil there appears as the opponent of the kingdom message. When anyone hears the word of God, Luke 8, 12 says, that's to say the word of the kingdom, Matthew 13:19. When anyone hears that word, the devil is there, ready to snatch away that creative kingdom message which is sown in his heart, so that he may not believe it and be saved. Salvation, therefore, goes back to that fundamental message, the tool, the creative tool of God, which is nothing less than the gospel message about the kingdom as preached by Jesus. Exactly the same truth about rebirth is found in the epistle of Peter, chapter 1 and verse 22 onwards. Peter there says, Since you have in obedience to the truth, the truth is a synonym for the gospel of the kingdom in the New Testament, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, recreated, regenerated, born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and abiding 
Word of God. Did you notice there the word seed? And that recalls, of course, the seed, which is the message about the kingdom of God spoken of by Jesus in Matthew 13 and verse 19. Peter then says that the word of the Lord which was preached to you was the gospel. In verse 25 of 1 Peter 1 he says, The word of the Lord abides forever, and this is that word which was preached to you as the gospel, which was evangelized to you. So in the minds of all the New Testament writers, the basis of salvation is the reception of the gospel message, the seed of the message of the kingdom, as initially preached by Jesus himself. Let me give you one more example of apostolic teaching in regard to rebirth. The brother of Jesus, James, in James 1.18 says that God in the exercise of his will has brought us forth, that is, given us rebirth by the word of truth, the gospel of the kingdom. The word of truth, you know, is a synonym for the gospel throughout the New Testament. And that word of truth, says James, has caused us to be first fruits among God's creatures. There we have it, the new creation, the new birth, regeneration, and the tool of that rebirth, the agent of that rebirth, is the gospel message as Jesus preached it, his favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God. We would like to offer you a free book about the kingdom of God. You can request this from us by telephoning us at the telephone number to be given at the end of this program. Join us again for our continuing investigation of Jesus' famous and favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.